when Paul, St. Paul, Barnabas, and Silas, and those who have been part of St. Paul's missionary journeys, when they were going to different places around at that time, the world known in the Palestine area, present-day Turkey or Greece, Macedonia, they were filled with zeal, they were filled with love for the Lord. They didn't want to hold back. What made them so courageous? What made them so strong? What made them fearless in so many ways? Is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yes, they have seen the Lord risen, risen alive. He has come back from, from the death. Yes, he has ascended to heaven. And yet they were so filled with that zeal, with that love, with the awareness of the presence of God in their heart, is that they were able to do so many things. You know, uh, St. Paul gives witness to his life, how many times he was whipped and stoned and she experienced shipwrecks, you know, always being in danger of, of someone wishing to eliminate him. And yet he did not turn back because it's the gift of the Holy Spirit in him. In him. He knew. He wanted everyone to come to know God. He wanted everyone to know that there's salvation. He wanted everyone to know this, this future glory. That's what would not stop him. Many, you know, recently, because about 100 years ago, our Lord spoke to Faustina, and he said to her, he says, daughter, help me to save souls. Souls are lost, but no one cares. St. Paul, the apostles, and the many, many generations of Christians, witnesses, saints, and men, women like you, brothers and sisters in Christ, wishing to give the gift of eternal life to others, wishing them to come to know God, come to know Jesus, come to know the Holy Spirit, come to know the gifts that God gives to us, each one of us. And it's not something, a gift, it's a reality, a transforming power, it's something that changes us, something that makes our hearts filled with zeal and love for God, that are we willing to do things, we're willing to go forward with, with zeal and strength and courage and profess. And so we see here today, yes, St. Paul and Silas, <clears throat> they go to Philippi. It's a Macedonian town. You know, the first of all, like yesterday, we heard in the first reading where St. Paul arrives and they want to do something on the day of the Lord. They want to go near the river, probably, possibly it's cooler there. And what do they see? They see some people are kind of relaxing near the river. And he sees, he sees among others, <coughs> he sees among others, um, uh, you know, uh, some ladies who are, who are kind of interested. It is, it is in the Acts of the Apostles, there's a reference to, 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 uh, to someone who, you know, who uh, we, we, we come to know as a leader of the early church. And, and it was the woman from the city of Thyatira, his name is Lydia. Lydia was a de dealer in purple cloth, a worshiper of God. 
What does it mean? She might have been uh, someone of Greek descent, someone who been, you know, from pagan descent, we do not know, but already was interested in coming to know God, God of the revelation. And so we have Lydia here as an example. And she, she says to St. Paul, she says, if you believe that I'm ready to accept the faith, if I'm ready to accept the faith, then, then come and stay with me. Come and stay with me. And so St. Paul does. And so today, but today we have an interesting situation. There's, there's people who were upset with the, thank you, who were upset with the, uh, with, uh, uh, with St. Paul. And so they put him in jail. But you know what? I was thinking as I was preparing for, the, for this reflection today, guess what? Nature at the service of the gospel. We have earthquake. Earthquake usually is associated with something which is terrible, damaging. And in this case, it's the earthquake. It doesn't destroy anything. It doesn't destroy the houses, but it shakes loose, you know, the, 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 the iron metal, which was, you know, which were, uh, you know, St. Paul and Silas were, were attached so they wouldn't escape. And it frees them. But they were already in very difficult situation because they were whipped with, with rods and so their backs were, were wounded. And the jailer who's there, he sees that the gates are open. He's fearful now that the consequences of, of not keeping an eye on, on, on the prisoners will be death penalty for him. So he wants to kill himself, fearing that he will be punished severely and he fears punishment. And yet, as St. Paul calls out to him, he says, cries out, don't kill yourself. He says, we're here. We did not escape. And so he, immediately, the, the jailer realizes that these are some special people. They could have run, ran away. They wouldn't care about whether he dies or not. And so he invites them to his home, he takes care of his wounds, and then he becomes a believer. How can I be saved? You know, you speak of the words of salvation, how can I be saved? And so the instructions are given during the night. In the morning, they have to take him back to jail because otherwise, you know, he would be punished. And so we hear, we see how God works through the situations of life, including earthquakes, including natural disasters, or even perhaps, perhaps, you know, the difficulties that we experience. God, God's providence is at work. God never leaves us intended. And it's the gift of the Holy Spirit that's here. And this is why Jesus spoke, it's better for me that I go so that you may receive the, the Holy Spirit. Jesus never leaves us because in the Eucharist, he's always with us. So he left himself in the Eucharist, but he gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Why is the Holy Spirit so important? because it makes our faith alive, our faith, we believe, and there's a conviction that flows from within. We're, we're secure. Yes, we can question, we can doubt, but the Holy Spirit will give us the grace to understand the faith and to be aware of the gifts that God wishes to bestow upon us. Holy Spirit gives us courage, that fortitude, which is so essential. You know, and it may not work right away. We have been confirmed, but when we begin to pray more and more, when we read the scripture more and more, when we open our hearts to God and say, Lord, I want to be your, your, your son, I want to be your daughter, I want to follow you, 
if anyone who says to God, I, I, I want to come to know you more, God will give us the grace. God will. Anyone who says, I'm in need of deeper faith, God will give that person deeper faith because God doesn't force himself upon us, but he allows us to hear, to come to know, and then if we desire, if we wish, he'll give us many, many blessings, many graces, and including the grace to be a minister, to be a, to be a disciple that's not afraid to proclaim Christ to others by words, by actions, by our life, by changing our ways of doing things. You know, God can do this, and God does this in an extraordinary way. He takes weak people often. You know, there was a preface to the, uh, to the, uh, to the martyrs and says, you choose the weak and make them strong. Somehow God doesn't seem to mind our sinfulness, our weaknesses, all these things which we consider as part of being sort of, well, I'm not fit, I'm not that strong. You know, I remember even St. Therese saying to the Lord, he says, you know, I would wish to be like a St. Ignatius of Eloia, strong, powerful, St. Francis who love. He says, but I'm not, not one of those. I'm just too weak. But I know that you take even a child like me and you can make me strong. You can make me strong. And, and, and this, is what, this is what she has done. And she says, I'm maybe not able to, to climb, you know, a, a very tall building. I'm just not too strong. But he says, there's an elevator and the elevator will take me right up there. So she says, I want God to be my elevator to, to draw me, to raise me to the heights of spirituality, of holiness. And guess what? By trust, childlike trust, she receives it. Holy Spirit is very important. We're going to begin, you know, especially in this diocese where we observe Holy Thursday on, on, on I mean, say Ascension Thursday on Thursday rather than on Sunday. We have a nine days of preparation, asking the Holy Spirit to, to come upon us, to fill us with the very gifts that he has. We have received in confirmation the sevenfold gifts. We want those gifts to come out. We don't want them to be dormant. Let them come out and have an effect on us and others because the Holy Spirit can lead us to the knowledge of the truth. Jesus says today, uh, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world, convict the world of the truth in regard to sin, righteousness, and condemnation. Sin is because the Lord has come and what did he do? He removed the sin, but only by faith. When we believe in him, he gives us the gifts of forgiveness of sins. That's why the Holy Spirit will convince us, yes, we need to confess our sins, but he is our savior. He is the one who has come and he wants us to be whole. He wants us to be healed. He wants us to be transformed by the power of that love. Not only that, but he'll convince us and, you know, give us the gift of righteousness that I'm going to the Father and you'll no longer see me. And yet the righteousness is that means justification. He has been, he justified us. He has redeemed us. That's the gift of the Son of God. And so the Holy Spirit, we will help us to understand that we were given the gift of redemption, that we were given the gift of salvation. And, and justification and unification and, 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 and also our sins have been expiated. 
uh, have been, have been, uh, Jesus has been the atoning sacrifice for us and the Holy Spirit will tell us and, and convict us. And, and condemnation is because the, the ruler of this earth, Satan, has been condemned, has been removed, and is being removed from us every day as we pray, as we receive the Eucharist, as we read scripture, as we allow the Holy Spirit to come into us with the word of God who reminds us of everything that Jesus has done. And he is also the power to do extraordinary things. I'd like to share just a couple of things right now with you. You know, we are in, during, during a novena in honor, uh, in preparation for our founder, uh, blessed Saint Stanislas. We have his altar here. And you know, and I, I look at his life, you know, he, he had all kinds of difficulties. He, had, he was a very poor student, and then he prayed, and then became a student. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things that it's kind of mystery, mystery for us. Uh, he was someone who went through so much of uh, difficulties in trying to discern what he should do, because he entered one religious community, and then this community was going through difficulties, and, and so he was asking also the Holy Spirit to guide him. And, uh, one of the things that he wished to do is to proclaim the, uh, you know, the, the, the mystery of the Immaculate Conception. He believed strongly in a gift that Our Lady was preserved from the original sin, and that Our Lady, by this gift, a singular gift, which we receive by baptism, by the singular gift, that she was already ushered into this new creation. We are men and women who are have already received the gift. Yes, we have to still open ourselves more and more, the gift of becoming a new creation, creation that's holy and immaculate, as St. As Paul says. This is the gift. And he believed this, and he wanted to make sure that, that the congregation that he has formed, they would proclaim the Blessed Mother, her mystery of the Immaculate Conception, the mystery just like, you know, St. Bernadette, uh, you know, when she uttered those words, I am the Immaculate Conception. I am, I am not only Immaculate Conceived, but the very reality of, of God's work within her, created within her, the, the new creation, that which St. Paul spoke of. From the very beginning of time, God wa wanted us to be holy and immaculate, to be without blame to be totally open to the grace of God, to the workings of the Holy Spirit. And so he was. And you know, and during his life, he, there, the number of miracles were attributed to him, especially healing and even raising people, yeah, children from, from the dead. And you know, and as I said, I'm speaking about myself, you know, he says, well, you know, who knows? Yes, I do believe, but you know, who would at that time be able to say whether it was a coma or whatever it is, you know? And yet, you know, I should not have questioned when I was younger, because, you know, he raised a child in a womb that died. But now we have all the equipment, sonograms and everything else to prove that that's what took place. So, and, and he always allowed this, the gift of the Holy Spirit to work in his life, and he also always would use Our Lady. You know, it's a special prayer, you know, uh, you know, may the Virgin Mary's Immaculate Conception be our health or our salvation and protection. And he used to use this prayer frequently 
to speak, to ask for the intercession of Our Lady. And so it is on the 18th of May we celebrate his feast, which was, you know, coming up. Today is the 16th. And, and so in two days we'll celebrate in honor of him. And the last thing I would like to share with you is that I will be going to Samoa, which is the, for the fifth World Apostolic Congress on Mercy. God gave me the grace and privilege to be from the beginning, from 2005, when the idea of the Congress was brought to the attention of all those who were promoters of divine mercy, and it took place under the guidance of the Pope Benedict XVI, and, and it has continued. The first one was in Rome, in St. John Lateran, which was the, the mother church, as it's known, and then the second one is in Krakow. The third one is, is in, in, uh, in Colombia, Bogota, Colombia. The fourth one is in the Philippines. And, and now it's going to be the Oceania, but in Samoa, in the middle of nowhere. However, the, the bishops of Samoa invited us to celebrate this World Apostolic Congress on Mercy. The second aspect is not only is the mystery of mercy being promoted powerfully by key figures in the church, great cardinals, Sean Burr and others around the world, bishops and, and, and men and women of, of faith, but now the Holy See embraced this ministry and placed it in the uh, sacred congregation, or it's called today the Castry of the Evangelization. And so the Holy Church, uh, the, uh, the Church, the Congregation for Evangelization embraced this ministry. And so now we're going through a type of, of both transition, both from those who were the great leaders, as well as now with the Holy See embarking on it. So in the future, I know the, um, you know, the, uh, it, it's held every three years, and God willing that maybe in six years we'll be here in the United States. Um, so we would hope that we our joy and honoring the Lord in his mercy, honoring the Lord's mercy, because it is the gift that Jesus gave and is available to us through the Holy Spirit. Every time we go to the confession, it is, it, is, it is through the Holy Spirit that mercy has been poured forth, mercy of Jesus himself, the atoning sacrifice he is. So, you know, receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you shall forgive are forgiven them. That's the gift of the Holy Spirit. May the, by the power of the Holy Spirit make this bread and wine to become body and blood of Christ, Holy Spirit at work, Holy Spirit that unites us brings us into union to, grace, to grasp and understand who we are. So I think the invitation is for us to prepare ourselves for this great and beautiful event of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the beginning, officially the beginning of the church. The church, as, as the disciples preached and proclaimed, that in Jesus we have the salvation. It's the Father's love so great to send his Son to us, and those gifts are available to us. May we then today, just like the disciples, Paul, St. Paul, Silas, Barnabas, Peter, and all the 12, the 12, uh, that we may be like, like them, be the ministers and proclaimers of God's word. Proclaim that the mercy of God is greater than any that his love is so great for us as human beings that we can never fully grasp. And that beautiful quote from, from St. John's Gospel, for God to love the world, that he gave his only begotten son, 
that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Hello, I'm Father Thaddeus Langton of the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception, and I'm excited to let you know about my new podcast with Father Timothy Childers called Keeping It Marian. To access the podcast, simply visit divinemercyplus.org or search Keeping It Marian on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on whatever podcast platform you prefer. I want to share with you the riches of the charism of the Marian Fathers, which is the mystery of the Immaculate Conception, how it touches our lives as consecrated priests and religious, and how this mystery can bear fruit in your life, especially by keeping the Word of God and pondering it in our hearts in imitation of our Blessed Mother. I hope you'll join us. Again, it's called Keeping It Marian. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.